Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. So glad to see you guys here. We are um, starting in a brand new series today. It's coming right off the heels of our first birthday. Uh, As David mentioned, last Sunday was our very first anniversary as a church. We are still a, a baby church. We are still figuring things out. And one of the things we like to say around here is, we've never done this before. But God has... And our hope is not in us, our hope is in him, amen? Amen. And God will take care of us and provide for us and lead us and guide us and help us build this new church together. And if we are faithful, God will make us fruitful. And one of the ways that we want to be faithful is to continue to build this church on the word of God, not based on what, what research has shown is good for churches or works for churches, but we want to try to be a strong, relevant New Testament community based on the word of God. And here we are coming in on the heels of our first anniversary, and it's the perfect time to talk about who we are as a church. Maybe today's your first time or or your 15th time, but it's good for all of us, whether you've been with us since day one or today's day one for you. It's a great time for us to ask the question, what are we about as a church? Where are we headed as a church? So for today and next Sunday, I want to talk about and include a boatload of scripture uh, for us together, what it is that we are hoping to become as people of Hope Church. Because we are are really trying to follow God's lead. So this is us for two Sundays together. I'm going to give you these um, these ideals and these scripture points through a couple of of, of statements. There will actually be five or six of these over the two weeks. But today we're just going to look at two of them. And this is the first statement. It's going to come up on your screen. Uh, This is what's true about People of Hope Church. We believe following Jesus as his disciples and being baptized as a public declaration of our faith. First and foremost, we are a gathering of Christians, a gathering of believers in Jesus. This is not a religious meeting of people who kind of like the ideas of the Bible. We are a Christian group. We are a church. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to be a church of people who've said, I will follow Jesus as the Lord and leader of my life. I'm a work in progress. I'm going to blow it on a regular basis, but I'm going to stand in the love of God, in the grace of God, and I'm going to follow Jesus. I am a Christian, a little Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. So the very first thing that identifies us as people of hope is we believe. We believe in Jesus. Belief is the key. Let's look at some scripture passages together. First of all, this one you're probably real familiar with. This is in John 3 uh, and verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what? Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here in the room, we have this beautiful cross that some of our church family made. We have this symbol in here to remind us that this is how we know that we can have a relationship with God. This is the symbol of the love of God because God so loved you 
that he gave his only son Jesus to be the sacrifice on the cross for the guilt of your sins. Jesus was not guilty. Jesus had not sinned. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb for your guilt and for my guilt. Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead three days later. And therefore, those who put their faith in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, and the word faith is belief in action, for whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. We use the term being saved. That is the idea that we are saved from the guilt of our sins. All of us have sinned against God. And until you believe in Jesus and become a disciple of Jesus, the guilt of your sin still hovers over your head. But once you believe, you are fully forgiven. You are made new. You're adopted as a son or a daughter of God. You are washed clean of all of the guilt of your sin, all because God's love came in action to be a sacrifice for what you and I had committed in sin. But the key is to believe. Not whosoever attends, it's a big deal for who we are. Not whosoever attends. Not whosoever gives in the giving basket. But whosoever believes. Let's look at another passage of Scripture. It's from Ephesians. Excuse me, we'll go to Romans. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there's a heart and life aspect of being saved. I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart, in my soul. I believe, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God, and I want to follow him with my life. I'm confessing Jesus is my Lord the king of my life, the father, and I'm his child. He is the leader, and I am his follower. He is the king, and I am his subject. He is everything, and I want to follow him with my everything. So I'm believing in my heart, but I'm also confessing with my mouth, with my life. My life follows Jesus. Friends, be on your guard against thinking that you can have some beliefs about Jesus in your mind, but live any way you want to. A disciple of Jesus is passionate about living in the way of Jesus. Amen? It is with your heart and your mind, but it is also with your mouth and with your life that we are believers in Christ we believe and we are justified. So again, we're still under that idea of we believe. That's who we are. If you want to identify people of hope, we believe. As disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus Christ. So let's look at another scripture passage here um, together. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Therefore, Jesus came to the disciples and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, make more disciples of how many nations? What does it say? All nations. And then Jesus gave some instruction for how this is supposed to happen. I want you to baptize them after you make disciples of them. 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And don't worry, as you go, surely I am with you everywhere, even to the end of the age. So there's a sequence here that's going on. Someone is to become a disciple, and after they become a disciple, they are to be baptized, and they are the, then they are to become taught about the way of Jesus. That's who we are as a church. Believe in Jesus in your heart, in your mind, with your life, become his disciple, and then be baptized. If we can go back to that statement, guys, that we believe statement there, that, that slide there, we're following Jesus as, dis, as his disciples and being baptized as a public declaration of faith. It's important to remember that baptism does not save anyone. When you do a baptism, it's just good old Murfreesboro water. There's nothing special or sacred about it as a wash away your sins. It is an outward symbol of what's already happened inwardly. It's an outward symbol of what's already happened on the inside. You've already believed. You've already been forgiven. You've already become a disciple of Jesus with him as your Lord. And baptism is putting on the team uniform. Baptism is the day when you are out in public saying, I don't care who knows. I want people to know my life has changed. I am now defined as a Jesus person. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. It is my public declaration of faith. And we don't do it because the denomination says we should do it. We don't do it because just people have done it through church history. We do it because in Matthew 28, Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. Make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. So baptism is a, is a part of what a church is. It's our thing for how we publicly declare faith in Jesus. So if you haven't been baptized after you have truly believed in Jesus, then go ahead and take that next step and be baptized. We're going to have another baptism celebration in September, and I would love to baptize a lot of people who've said, I may have believed in Jesus uh, in August of 2019 or in August of 1989. It doesn't matter, but I haven't been baptized since I believed, and I want to be in line of obedience with what Jesus said for making disciples, being baptized, and then being taught. So we're going to have one of those in September. And there's a card in your, in your seat uh, that everybody has seen. It's a connect card. One of the places you can put on there is, I would like to know about baptism. And maybe you're sitting there going right now, like, I really do believe. I really am a Christian. But since I've truly believed, since then, since I put faith in Jesus, I haven't been baptized yet since believing. So do that. Let's get that done. Let's take that next step, that public declaration of what your life is all about. Baptism does not save. It is simply the external expression of the internal commitment that you've already made to Christ. And while we're talking about this word believe here, have you believed? Have you said yes to following Jesus? Have you said, I want to follow you and go your way, and I want to trust in what you accomplished on the cross in your sacrifice and in your victory of being raised from the dead? I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus with my life. If you haven't done that, then do that today. 
believe that the cross paid for sin, believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, believe that Jesus isn't still dead, but that God raised him from the dead, and say, I believe, God forgive me for my sins, and I want to follow you as your disciple. If you have true faith and true belief in your heart, you will be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not belief plus good behavior. It's not good attendance at church or doing good deeds. It's not earning your forgiveness or your salvation. It is by faith. For you and I are saved by faith. Have you believed? If not, then believe. If you haven't, then believe. Let today be the day that you step forward and just say, I want to follow Jesus. Because let me ask it very plainly today. If you haven't believed in Jesus, who are you waiting for to believe in? Have you paid attention to the world? Our world is fractured and broken and messed up. Can I get an amen? amen. And God has said, let me show you what love looks like. Love looks like sacrifice. Let me tell you what my kind of love looks like. It looks like forgiveness. And it looks like come all who are broken. Come all who are wounded. Come all who are beaten up. Come all who are addicted and, and enslaved to, to all kinds of sinful things that they just can't break the grip of. Come all who are struggling. Come all who are empty. Come who feel alone. Come, come, come and belong with the people of God in Jesus. Who are you waiting for? For the God, the one true God who made all things, has given his son for you. And he has proclaimed a way that leads to life. God has not come into the world to, to limit your fun or to limit your joy or to make your life boring. He has given you his son so that you might truly know what true life is. And joy and peace and hope. Who are you waiting for? There is none other coming. He's it. Jesus is the one. And he is coming to you in your heart this morning, knocking on the door of your heart, saying, I really am the son of God. I really did pay for your sins. I really did conquer death and hell and the grave. And if you believe in me, I will change your life in beautiful ways. Believe in Jesus today if you haven't done it. I mentioned that car a little bit earlier. Maybe today in your seat, right where you are, you're believing in Jesus, or you're ready to do that, and you're like, man, I really do sense. I can't really put words to it, but I really sense like Jesus and God are calling me to believe in him and become a Christian today. Then, then maybe on your card, you want to you put on here, I am choosing or I have recently chosen to follow Jesus. That's my deal. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I, I want to become a Christian because I'm asking you to commit I'm not asking you to be in favor of it. I'm not asking you to kind of be for it. I'm not asking you to say, well, thumbs up to Jesus. I'm asking you to become a Christian and say, I'm going to follow him with my life. Because a church is a community of disciples of Jesus. And the very first thing is, we believe. We believe. Following Jesus as his disciples 
and being baptized as a public declaration of our faith. If you're curious about People of Hope Church and what our more detailed beliefs are, you can see a list of those on our website right now, peopleofhope.church. You can read about what we believe in, in some of the statements that are there. But first and foremost, we believe in Jesus. Number two, here's the second one for today. We belong. We belong. We belong to each other. Identifying People of Hope Church as our church home, our primary place for Christian community, living under spiritual leadership, and for serving with our spiritual gifts. We connect in community groups for friendships, encouragement, Bible discussions, prayer, and care for each other. So let's leave this up here for a moment. I kind of want to walk through this just a little bit. We belong not to an organization, but to each other. It's beautiful. God has provided people in your life to walk with you through all of the struggles and ups and downs, to celebrate with you and to grieve with you. God has provided you to be able to belong with other people in relationship. We belong to each other, identifying people of hope as our church home. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment. It's our primary place for Christian community. And maybe you've never used that word before, community. What does community mean? Community means is that you and I are in relationship with each other because we're Christians and we're doing life together the best we can. Meaning I, I'm trying to, to help you and encourage you and I'm being there for you on rough days and I'm celebrating with you on the great days and if you have a need, I'm there to meet a need. It may, that need might look, might look like a pickup truck if you need to move out of your third, store apart, third story apartment. That need might be that I'm, I'm there if you need help clearing some brush in the land behind your house. That need might look like I'm there if you're struggling with how to reach your teenager. If you're in crisis in your marriage, if you're struggling in any other way, shape, or form, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm there. What do you need? Community is friendship. It is that encouragement. It is that cheering each other on, challenging each other. It's that iron sharpening iron that the Bible talks about. It's accountability. It's prayer for each other. And it is care for each other. It's our primary place for Christian community living under spiritual leadership. The imagery that the Bible uses for a church is a flock. And it's a flock of, is it seagulls? No, that was, that was a band way back. A flock of what? What's the Bible imagery? Sheep, a flock of sheep. And for, for whatever purpose, God wants us to organize as churches as flocks. By the way, never to think our flock is better than anybody else's flock. Amen? Never. But to be a flock because we are called and wired and made to belong to each other. And a flock of sheep, God has appointed a shepherd. Here at People of Hope Church, we are a staff-led, elder-guided church, and we have so far, just have one elder, that's me, and we'll be adding elders soon um, here in the life of the church. We, we are, are living under some spiritual leadership. This is important. Young, 
mature, experienced, rookie Christian, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you need to be a part of a flock. You need to be under spiritual leadership. You need to say, this is my church home. And that's the spiritual teacher that on a regular basis I sit under their teaching. And I do not think that that person is infallible. And I'm comforted by that fact that that person, that pastor says, I'm still a work in progress too. And none of us has all of our junk together, amen? But God has tapped this person on the shoulder and called them out to take some responsibility and some leadership and some guidance and to sit and to study and to learn and to partner with the Holy Spirit for expressing and explaining the things of God. And I'm a sheep in the flock and I need to be under some spiritual leadership. People of Hope is a place where we believe but it's also a place where we belong to each other. Let's look at several scriptures together. This first one is from Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So there's no such thing as isolation Christianity. There's no such thing as, you know, I don't really need the church or I don't really need to go to church or to be in relationship with the church. There's no such thing as I'm sort of doing my own thing. We need each other and we belong to each other as a part of the body of Christ. Next passage. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God has placed spiritual leaders in your life to equip you for works of service in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your workplace, in your marriage, in all of life. God is relevant in all of life. There is no such thing as spiritual and secular. God is king everywhere. God has something to say everywhere. And God wants to be uh, working through you in all arenas of your life. And God's put spiritual leaders over your life. He's given apostles and teachers and pastors and leaders to equip and to build up the body. Leadership in the church is important. And it's God's idea. It's God's care for you to build up the body. Another scripture passage. John 15, 12, the words of Jesus here, he says to his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So a church, a church of disciples is to be a place where we love each other. And this is not the suggestion of Jesus. This is, hey, if you have some time or if you get around some people, you can tolerate. This is the command of Jesus to do what? What are we supposed to do? love. That means we're going to have to be patient and kind and long-suffering. That means we're going to have to understand God's made all kinds of people, hasn't he? People you want to like spend uh, five minutes with and that's plenty and people you'd love to go on a trip for five days with. But we are to love 
all of those people. This is so important. There is no such thing as one Christian being better than another Christian. There's no such thing as one Christian being more worthy of love than another person. I don't care how wealthy they are. I don't care what title they hold. I don't care what their job is. I don't care how influential they are in the city or in the community. In Christ Jesus, we are all level, equally loved, and should be loving. Amen? Why why is that important? Because churches get off the rails when they begin to give preference to certain people. And churches get off the rail when they begin to look at some folks and look at their socioeconomic status, look at what school they went to, look at other things that absolutely don't matter, like what they wear, and they begin to define them and push them aside as unimportant. Let's be reminded that Jesus has commanded that we love each other. And all of us count. All of us matter. Now here's where this becomes a challenge. We need to love everyone. And let God deal with their sinful choices. You and I have not been called to judge or to correct people. We have been called to love people. If someone comes up to you and goes, I'm really struggling with some issues in my life. Could you help me and give me some guidance? Open door for you to give some biblical counsel. But we need to love everybody. And I want to make sure you understand this. This is so important. Not everybody in this room thinks the way you think. We need to love everybody. Not everyone in this room votes the way you vote. Not everyone in this room gets their news from where you get your news. Not everybody views marriage the way you view marriage. Not everybody views all kinds of topics. But we are called to love. People of hope is a place where we're inviting people to believe in Jesus and go his way. And we trust that God will deal with people to go his way. But we're also inviting them to belong. You can belong with us. Come on. Come on. If someone walks in that door, and you make a mental list right now of all the opposites of what you hold to be important or your political opinions or your moral opinions. If someone walks to that door and they're the embodiment of the opposite of what you hold is important and sacred and true, it is absolutely vital that they experience the love of Jesus through you when they walk through that door. Should they obey Jesus? Yep. Are we going to call them to that? You better believe it. Are we going to preach the Bible and hold true to some standards? Yep. But we can't ever judge a person when they walk through that door because the biggest need of their life is not to correct their choices. The biggest need of their life is to meet Jesus. Did you hear that? 
The biggest need of their life is not to correct their choices, it's to meet Jesus. So here we are as this young church and we're working hard in this messy, muddy place of how do we welcome and receive and challenge biblically people who are not living biblically. Well, the the first step, let's do the first step and we'll worry about the second step. The first step is just to love and receive. Because I guarantee you there's some people in Murfreesboro, Tennessee this morning who didn't get up and go to church because they've had this thought. I know how church people are. I wouldn't be welcome there. And how many times and in how many different ways did Jesus say, I did not come for the healthy, I came for the sick. I came to seek and save that which was lost. And we want the sick, the broken, the lost to feel welcome here. Amen. Amen? Amen. That's what we're building, and that's who we are. We belong, and we want to let people belong. A couple more scripture passages. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We connect to each other in these things called community groups. And you may be wondering, what in the world is a community group? Well, a community group is what a lot of churches call a small group. And it's a group of maybe 6 or 8 or 12 or 14 people. And they meet in somebody's house. Or they may meet at a coffee shop early in the morning. Or they may meet at a breakfast place or do lunch together, whatever. They meet. And their, their goal together is to, to be connected and to have spiritual friendships to figure out how they can encourage each other in whatever they're dealing with, to do some Bible discussion of some kind so that they're not just off in the weeds about what opinions are held in the group, but they're they're locked to the Word of God, and they're also praying for each other, and they're caring for each other. Community groups exist as a way for there to be families within the family. And if you look around this room this morning, there are, there are enough people here today, you can't know everybody and they can't know you. <laughs> Community groups exist so that you can have a place to talk about what's really going on in your life. It's a place to be known. And let's be honest, a lot of people, they join a community group and they have no intention of being known. <laughs> I don't... I don't I don't want to talk. I don't want to share. I don't want to get real. I don't want to get transparent. That's okay. But somebody else in the group might. Somebody else is maybe struggling. They're feeling lonely. They're feeling a little left out. They're feeling like this is a a rough season, a desert season, a valley season in their life. And a community group is where they come on a regular basis, maybe twice a month or once a week, and they get together with some some other Christians who look them in the eye and say, I see you. You've not been forgotten. You are not alone. We are with you in this. And these are rugged days, and I will not dare to promise you when the rough days will be over, but I'm telling you, as long as the rough days last, I am in it with you. And I cannot think of a whole lot more that's more beautiful than that. I'm here. I'm present. And you can come to this place And it is not a place where we pretend. Biblical community is not a smile on your face where everybody's fine. 
Biblical community is where it is safe and okay for you to struggle, for your kids to struggle, for your family to struggle, and it's really okay for you to show up to a community group moment and for you to be loved right where you are, just as you are, to bring your difficulties, to bring the messiness of your family, to bring some of the failures and disappointments, to bring all of your questions about God and some of your doubts and struggles. It is a safe place for you to engage the people of God, and the things of God. And it's a place of care. It's so important because we're supposed to bear each other's burdens. I love it uh, when, when someone um, is going through something in our church. So often I'm like the fifth or sixth person to know. I love that. Because phone calls or text message one through four were to people in their community group who they're doing life with the people who are showing up and taking care and praying and all of those things. We belong. We don't just attend. We belong to each other. I think there's one more scripture passage, maybe two more. Bible says, therefore, encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do we need each other? Yes. Sometimes we need each other to be reminded of grace. Sometimes we need to be reminded of what the truth is. Sometimes we need, to, we need somebody to just be there with us and to help Keep our head above water. Community is where you bear each other's burdens and you encourage one another and build each other up. That's when you're saying, you can do it. I'm with you. Come on. Keep holding on. Don't give up. Don't bail. Don't fall out. I'm with you. Don't go anywhere. Don't pull back. Don't withdraw. I'm with you. I don't necessarily understand how to help you. I just know that it's a really hard time for you right now, but I am right here. And this is also the group <laughs> that you're sitting on the back porch as the sun goes down and you got a cool drink in your hand and you're just going, man, God is good, isn't he? And you're just sitting around going, man, God has blessed us and our families and all kinds of stuff going on. In the same way that you deal with the struggles, you also deal with the celebrations and you enjoy the people God has put in your life who often remind you that you are not indeed self-made, but everything good in your life has come from the Lord. And someone looks you in the eye and goes, man, God's being so good to you right now, isn't he? We need that. We need each other to be built up and to be encouraged. One more passage here, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. I love this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is the Bible saying, you got a spiritual gift, and everyone who's a believer in Jesus, everyone who's become a disciple does. The Holy Spirit has given you at least one spiritual gift, and they're not for you, they're for the body of Christ. They're for the flock. God has given you a spiritual gift so that the body has all of the gifts represented, so that the body has the gifts that it is needing to, to thrive and to grow and to be built up. 
and God has given you a spiritual gift, are you currently employing that in a body of Christ that you've identified as your church home? If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a Christian, then you have a spiritual gift. And if you're a Christian, every disciple of Jesus needs a church home, a declared church home. One where you feel like God calling you and leading you and say, you know what, this isn't just a place we come every once in a while, but this is our church home, and we are stepping in to be invested here, and I'm going to take my spiritual gift, and I'm going to add it to the mix, because when we serve each other, we obey God, and we make it better for others, amen? We are called to use what we've been given to serve others. Next Sunday, we'll spend a lot of time talking about what it looks like to serve others, and we'll give you opportunity to step into serving if you've not done that before, and it'll be an incredible way for you to be invested in what you feel like God is calling you to make your church home. Can we go back to the list of two things there, the, the believe and belong in this idea of belonging, I, I want to make sure we're all clear on the same page here that belonging isn't being on a list for a membership for a group. Belonging is relational, not organizational. Belonging is I'm in your life and you're in mine. And we're too big to be uh, all up to speed on everybody's life, so we have families within the family so we can know and be known. And just as much as every disciple of Jesus needs a church home, every disciple needs a small group where you can receive care and where you can care for others. You need a place where you can process out loud the things of God and the challenges of life. Some of you in this room right now are wrestling through some challenging days of how to care for your elderly parent. You need a small group who can love you and walk with you through that and give you feedback and encouragement and point you to scripture and give you affirmation about your thoughts and pray with you and for you in all of that. Some of you in this room are struggling about how to deal with your teenager who's getting ready to go off to college or is just now entering high school. And some of you have kids who are in maybe fourth grade or fifth grade and they're starting to be more digitally connected and you're struggling with how much do I let them go on the internet and, and how much do I let them have freedom in their iPad or phone or do they even get a phone? What age are they supposed to get a phone? How do we process the challenges of life? You know what God has done for you? He has given you each other. Because you're not supposed to just be sitting out there going, I, I guess I'll just take a swing at this. No, God has given you each other so that you can come together and go, here's what's going on in our household right now. Um, we got some real struggles, and I'm not real sure what to do with this. And maybe someone in the circle says, well, let's just take uh, the next 10 minutes and pray for this. Or someone else in the circle says, you know what, we crossed that bridge about two years ago, and we're not claiming that everything's perfect, but here's something that was successful for us. Or somebody else says, I'm right there with you. Why don't the two of us meet for coffee tomorrow morning and talk about this specifically? God has given you help. Church is not meant to be attended as an event. It is a community of love and life together and, and running this race together that you need to engage in relationship. 
Join a community group. Join a community group this week. This week, we're opening up our community groups. All kinds of options for all kinds of days. And some of it's for couples. Some of it's for, for people who aren't married. Some of it's on, in the morning. Some of it's in the evening. Some of it's just men. Some of it's once a month. Some of it's twice a week. I mean, not twice a week. Twice a month, once a week. Some of it's just women. There's all kinds of options. Get in a circle where you can know and be known because until you do, you are missing out big time on what God has made possible for you in Christ. It's his gift to you. And if you don't engage in community, then church is an event you do on the weekend. I hope you understand the, the, the origin of the word church. The word church is is an English understanding of a, of a Greek word called ekklesia. And ekklesia means gathering or assembly. It's the people of God coming together that makes a church. It's not the meeting time on Sunday mornings. It's certainly not a building. Amen? It's not a location. It's not an organization. It's the relationship we have in common in Christ. That's why we try to call these things we do on Sundays a gathering not a worship service. It's a gathering. Church is not an event you attend. Church are the relationships you enjoy. And oh, by the way, once a week you gather. And don't forsake the gathering as some are in habit of doing. It's important. We need it. God has given it to us as a gift. We need each other. We need a group. We need a church. So we're not, we don't want anyone to be lost in the crowd in our new church. And that happens all the time in churches. So we put these things out there, and we're trying to give you opportunities. And we're not perfect. We're still learning. I think I mentioned this. We've never done this before. But our heart is aimed at creating places where you can know and be known, where you can grow, where you can be yourself, where you can belong. This morning, in conclusion, I simply want to ask the two questions that we've got in our statements. A church is a collection, a gathering of believers. Have you believed? Have you believed in Jesus? Do it today if you haven't. Maybe you already have in the last 20 minutes. And a church is where we belong, not on a list, but to each other. And it's a realization, I am a disciple. I do have a spiritual gift. Am I holding it or am I investing it and using it? How's God leading you toward a church home? Do you have a church home? Maybe, maybe God this morning would say to you and your family, you know what? we need to write in an extra thing at the bottom to just say, today we are making POH our church home because we get it. Every Christian needs a church home. This is our flock. These are our people. This is our community of faith in Murfreesboro. These are our leaders. This is our place where we're investing our gifts. Let's pray together.